And we are live. Hi, and welcome to episode 51 of TLC, Tech Learn Coffee. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, uh, along with Nancy Minicozzi. I am a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi. I'm an instructional tech coach in Northwest LA County. And remember, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. So for tonight's coffee fact, and uh, I personally couldn't really do this because I have a black thumb, but if you can actually grow plants, the same plant that produces coffee beans really does make an excellent house plant. But keep in mind, you can't grow your own coffee unless you... Uh, need to hand pollinate the flowers and it'll take three to five years but we'll put a link in our show notes to the gardening know-how blog that will teach you not me uh how to grow your own coffee plants thank you and i'm right there with you nancy i cannot grow plants to save my life i feel badly for any plant that comes into my house but we are here to talk with Lisa Berghoff, who will be talking to us about universal design for learning. I'm so excited about this. Lisa, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, things like that? Sure. Hi, ladies. First of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking with you. Uh, I'm the director of instructional technology at a high school called Highland Park, which is located about 25 minutes north of Chicago. This is my third year in that role, and previously I was a special education teacher for 19 years. So um, how I got into ed tech is that I kind of became known as someone who would try just about anything that could help my students learn and kind of help level the playing field for them. And um, everything that was coming about in technology, all the new innovations really did make a difference. And so that kind of led me down this new career path. So I still get to co-teach one class and then the rest of my day is spent working with teachers, which I love. Excellent, thank you. Wow, sped for 19 years. My hat's off to you. That's a really difficult job. Um, so, First question some uh, some people might have is, what exactly is UDL, Universal Design for Learning? Sure, so Universal Design for Learning is actually a framework um, that was developed by an organization called CAST. And it's a framework designed for improving teaching and learning for all students. It's based in neuroscience, um, brain research, and I love it because in special education, we often operate on a deficit model. So we look at what the student's disability is, and we spend a lot of time and energy on how they can overcome the disability. But UDL is really about removing barriers for students and um, opening up access for everyone, which really helps optimize their learning. Um, and you know, we often say in special education, what works for students with special needs actually also provides benefits for everybody. Exactly. I noticed that as well. I love that removing barriers and finding things for all students and optimizing the learning. Um, now, there are three main principles um, for UDL. Can you explain what those are, please? Sure. Okay. So the three principles are based on three brain networks. And the first principle is um, about providing multiple means of representation. So if you think about the what of learning, it comes from the recognition network in your brain. 
So we know that there isn't just one best way for everybody to get information, comprehend, perceive information. So it's all about offering a lot of different avenues for showing students information for them to learn. The second principle is from the strategic network or the how of learning. And it talks about um, providing multiple means for actions, action, excuse me, and expression. So we know that learners differ in how they can express what they know. Um, I've worked with so many teachers over the years who've said things like, I know this student understands the material through our discussions. They just didn't do well on the test. So this principle is really talking about offering lots of opportunities for students to show what they know in a variety of formats. Um, and then the third principle happens to be my favorite because it talks about providing multiple means of engagement. So it's the affective network or the why of learning. And um, so I work with teenagers at a high school and by the time they're 14, 15 years old, they often say like, why do I have to know this or who cares? So this principle is really about recruiting interest, um, sustaining effort, and also things like self-regulation. So it's tricky because what motivates one student is not necessarily what is gonna motivate another. So those are the three basic principles of UDL. I love that, looking at the what. And I think my favorite one is the how and having students express it. I've, I've run across that quite a bit as well, Of the, but they know it and they just don't do well on a test. So allowing them to have so many different ways um, to express it is great. Um, how are these ideas helpful for our ELLs? We have a lot of ELLs, um, you know, throughout um, California and throughout the nation. Um, can you explain how they can be helpful for our ELLs? Sure, and we have at my school about um, 20, almost 25% of our population are second language learners. So it's really important that our teachers have a great understanding of UDL for them too. Um, and it's really very freeing for teachers that work with um, second language learners because it does allow them to show what they know in lots of different ways. So you don't have to just give them a paper and pencil test. You can give them an opportunity to um, provide, you know, show what they know, maybe verbally, or maybe they're gonna draw something about it. So you can really play to students' strengths. So if language is what gets in the way, that's the barrier, then you can find other ways. Um, and it really does, work in terms of just maximizing what our students can do. So once you take away those barriers, we see our kids really um, just shining in the classroom. It's really exciting. That's wonderful to hear. I'm curious, how does this translate over, you know, being able to show what they know in different ways, um, you know, the self-regulation, um, how does that translate over to, um, like the state testing, the CASP or the PARC or whatever, you know, we have to do because that's such a finite thing that they have to show their knowledge in, in a particular way. So how does that translate for those students? Right, so great question. What we know about brain research is that there are connections that are being made in the brain. So what happens is in the classroom, when teachers provide multiple avenues for accessing information, 
multiple avenues for students to show what they know and multiple avenues for students to engage with the information, then by the time they go to take that test, those connections in the brain are more solid and they do do better. Now, obviously that's not why we do it, um, but it, it turns out that um, when teachers employ these UDL guidelines, students do do better across the board. Oh, that's great. I know um, for so many teachers, we're, there's so much pressure on doing well on a test and deviating from what the students are going to see on a test is also very, very scary. So to hear that those connections are being made and they're being successful and they're seeing growth, I think is very comforting to many. Um, and I think it's, it's counterintuitive because I think as teachers, we think we just need to give them lots and drill of drill and practice on these tests. Um, but in actuality, when we employ these UDL principles, the students their level of comprehension just raises. And so they do do better. It's awesome. That's great. So if somebody's looking to get um, UDL started in their classroom, where can they learn more about it um, so they can get started in this? So I really recommend that um, everyone take a look at the UDL guidelines, um, which can be found at UDL guidelines cast.org. And so the UDL guidelines, there's a new version 2.0 and the guidelines haven't changed, but how they have, have it organized um, has changed. And it's really, really nice. So the framework is organized in a way that really offers specific suggestions for teachers. And it's for any teacher or student at any level. So it's, when you look at the guidelines, you can click on it and it's got lots of layers to it. And it's really, really simple for teachers to kind of jump in and get started. That's great. And I love that it's for any level so it can be successful everywhere. Um, so who really should be using UDL? I know you're going to say everybody should be using it. <laughs> when we're passionate about something, we think everybody can use it. And it's true. Um, but is it difficult to get started? I mean, it's, yeah, is it difficult? Well, so here's the thing. And I, you know, of course, we say when we're passionate about something, we think everybody should be using it. Um, but I get to work with teachers who teach a huge variety of classes. And obviously when we have teachers who are teaching students that are second language learners or who have IEPs or 504 plans, we know that they're struggling and it makes a lot of sense to point them in the direction of UDL. I would also say though that we have some really um, you know, advanced placement classes and honors classes and we can't forget that it's still a class of you know, 25 kids that are not all the same, their brains are different. And so these guidelines really do work for everyone. Um, it's not difficult to get started. Um, I will say though, you know, it's like anything. So you can look at it and think it's really overwhelming. I would say um, start small and just take a look. There are a lot of times teachers are actually employing some of these options and choices for students and they don't even realize that what they're doing is a part of UDL. So it's really comforting when they take a look and go, oh, 
that's something that I'm already doing and it's based in, in brain research. And then they know that it works and so they just wanna, wanna do more. Um, I think with any change in practice, there is certainly a process that we go through. And so I think there are small ways um, that you, you can get started. Excellent, thank you. And what a great point of we can't forget, we focus so much on the growth and uh, of our uh, ELL students and you know those with IEPs and 504s that we can't forget the other end of the spectrum as well. So that was a great point. Um, so why is UDL effective? So UDL is based on ongoing research in learning sciences and cutting edge practice for instructional design and implementation. So they're constantly um, researching. It's not like they've created it and they're done and they say, here you go. They're constantly updating and looking at new research for what we know about learning. So one of my favorite analogies is with the use of ramps. Um, initially created for people who couldn't use the stairs, right? Most likely people in wheelchairs, but everybody can benefit from using a ramp at some point in their lives. You might be pushing a stroller, you might have an injury. Um, I actually have a broken foot right now. So I'm really grateful that there are ramps that I can use instead of the stairs. Do I need them all the time? No, um, but having the option helps me to get to the same place as everyone else and I'm not penalized for it. Thank you, yes, thank you so much. Um, so your role is with instructional technology. How does UDL come into play with that? Yeah, so I feel like I'm in a really great position because teachers feel really comfortable coming in for help with technology, right? It's very safe for us adults to say, oh, I'm terrible with technology. Technology is really hard. Um, but more often than not, we end up having Excuse a conversation. That was our timer. Time. So I just want to give you a minute to finish your thought um, and add in any additional thoughts you might have or you'd like to share before we close up. Yeah, thanks. So I just wanted to say that I'm currently working on a project that I'm really excited about where I'm actually connecting ed tech tools to the UDL guidelines. So it's going to be a website. I'm hoping it'll launch in the fall. There's going to be lots of um, resources available for teachers and, and students too. Oh, that's fantastic. And we will have all of these resources um, that Lisa has mentioned on our website as well in show notes. Okay, well, thank you so much for being our guest. And uh, thank you for listening, if you're, if you're listening. If you enjoyed the show, and of course you did, it was wonderful. We, I learned a lot. Um, please leave us a comment to let us know. And actually tonight we have two comment questions for you. Number one, what will you be implementing uh, UDL wise after listening to this episode? And our second comment question is that Lisa and I are thinking of switching to an all audio format. Um, we would post any visual resources on our website. Would you miss being able to see us on YouTube? Let us know. Um, join us on Monday, May 7th, when our guest will be Dale Plotsky talking about repurposing Google Maps to map learning. I can't wait. I love maps.
I am in love with Google Maps as well, so I'm really excited to talk with Dale. Um, so please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. And we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit Tila and complete the contact form to let us know. Thank you, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you.